0: Let's get to the Word of God this morning. A lot of the ladies are returning today from their annual women's retreat up at Camp Zephyr. We pray for all of them to have safe travel. Some of you, no, we're not? Oh, everybody's back? Okay, so they broke early? All right. That's okay. Some are... Probably still traveling. I don't know. Because I I, I don't see everyone here. So that's all right. Oh, they're like, I'm so tired. I've got wore out the retreat. That's okay. Good. Some of you guys are already back. Welcome back, ladies. Some of them are probably traveling back. How was the weekend if you went on the retreat? Pretty good. All right. Good. All right. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. Amen. God is good. All right. Let's get to the New Testament book of Acts. Chapter 1, if you'll go there in your Bibles and your Bible apps this morning, just want to welcome everybody here to Oso Creek Church. Glad you chose to worship with us today, whether you are a a longtime Creaker or you've been here for a month or two months, uh, a year, or whether this is your first Sunday, if it's your first Sunday, we want to say welcome. We're so glad you're here, so glad you stopped by and worship with us today. We want you to feel very welcome. There's a lot of churches, great churches, preaching the gospel message of Jesus Christ in our area and, uh, I'm, and you chose to worship with us today in this local body, and we're just very honored to have all of you with us this morning. And all of you watching online, some for the first time, second time, some for a long time, or you're out of town, uh, God bless you for joining us as well. Guys, we've got incredible life groups that are offered all throughout the week. Uh, women's Bible study, it's. Uh, Tomorrow on Mondays, my mind's going blank. We have uh, kids ministry and student ministry on Wednesday night. Speaking of that, listen, you know, we we say it often, but it, it, it bears repeating often. You know, if you're looking for a place to serve at Oso Creek Church, and we all should as believers, because Christ modeled service for all of us, there's no better place to serve than in kids and children's ministry. Jesus said, when you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto him. Amen? Right? And a lot of times I get it, because I grew up in church. My dad's a pastor. I've been all about the church all my life. And I know some people are like, what, ask me to serve in kids or students? It's like a, it's like a prison sentence, a life sentence, Greg. I, I get it, you know, but it's not, listen, it's not a life sentence. Even if you can serve and help out once a month, once a month, right? You know, or twice a month, that will work out. Matter of fact, the more volunteers, the more that say I can serve, the less you everyone actually has to do it. All right. Um, but even that goes with life groups. If you can only attend a life group once a month, you know, don't let that be a hindrance from keeping you from joining a life group. Okay? Uh and, and if you want to start one, you know, if you're like, I looked at the boards, nothing looks like it would fit my demographic, you know, where I am in life, you know. then, hey, come talk to me. We can start one. Sound good? Amen? Amen. Are you guys okay? Are you awake? Yes. Yes. I know you are. That's good. That's good. Hey, this morning, I want to finish what I started talking about last week with the ascension and the return of Jesus, okay? And I mentioned last week the physician Luke. He was a guy in the New Testament... He wrote both the Gospel of Luke and he wrote the New Testament book of Acts. Acts is like a sequel to the Gospel of Luke. And Luke was like this investigative journalist, and he, you know, as a physician, an educated, learned man, he had a lot of connections, you know, a lot of people. And so he was like an investigative journalist that went around during the New Testament time and period, and, and he interviewed people, and he asked them, what did you see? What happened? You know, he's taken copious notes. We even see that when the Apostle Paul, in the book of Acts, would go on his missionary journeys all over the known world, uh, Luke would accompany uh, Paul quite a bit as well, and so Luke is watching and observing things with his own eyes, and and he writes down this record in the gospel of Luke of, of what happened during the time of Jesus, his miracles, what he said, what was going on while Jesus walked this earth, and then in the book of Acts, he recorded the establishment and the actions of the early church, the first church, all right? I say all that because it's important to note that Luke records the ascension of Jesus when Jesus rose back into heaven, okay? Not only here in Acts chapter 1, or Acts yeah Acts chapter 1 that we're going to read in verse, verses uh, 9 through 11, but he also writes about the ascension of Jesus in his gospel, uh, Luke chapter 24, verses 50 through 53. So I want us to revisit our text from last week and let that be our text again today, Acts chapter 1. Verses 1 through 11. And this guy by the name of Theophilus, uh, that's a really cool name. I like that name, by the way. Uh, Theophilus. Uh, yeah, it's not common anymore. Anybody, any Theophilus out here today? That's, Theos? Any Theos? That's okay. Uh, but Theophilus, Luke was writing his gospel and the book of Acts for this guy, Theophilus, to let him know, hey, this is what's going on. And this is what's happened. So Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In the first book, he's talking about his gospel, gospel of Luke, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands to the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He had presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. Jesus proved that he was alive. Appearing to them... During 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So, from the resurrection to when Jesus ascended back into heaven, the time frame was 40 days. And while staying with them, he ordered them, these are the apostles, the disciples, his followers, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Uh, That's a promise of the Father, not just for the apostles and the early church, but for us as well, okay? So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth, that's empowered living by the Holy Spirit. the first part of our text, about as Jesus, you know, was, he spent 40 days showing proofs of his resurrection, eating with them, talking with them, teaching them, commanding them, giving them, you know, uh, final instructions, so to speak. You guys know, like, the Bible that we have, B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me, the word of God, I said, you know, basic instructions before leaving earth. You got, how many of you guys realize that acronym? Yeah? Three of you? Well, now you all know. And as G.I. Joe said, knowing is half the battle, all right? <laughs> G.I. Joe. Yeah, all right, go Joe. Basic instructions before leaving earth. So Jesus was depositing into his followers and the apostles and the disciples for 40 days after he rose from the dead, okay? And Luke records that as he was talking, all right, and I, I talked about this last week, I, I love that. Um, Jesus began to ascend and rise into heaven. You know, he had, had remember last week I said it, it, the word says it, it was a cloud, it's not like this little the little Olaf frozen flurry cloud. You know, Jesus had his own little personal cloud, like a hoverboard. Maybe he did this and slid over here and then came over here. No, it was probably like the the Shekinah glory of God, man. Everywhere in the word when a cloud is represented, it represents the presence of God, the glory of God. So most likely it was like not just a, you know, a little step on a cloud, right? It was awesome and light and they could feel God's prayer. It was probably an amazing thing to see, all right? But he, he began to rise up into heaven, okay? And I, and I talked about last week how, how Jesus ascending back to heaven uh, with the Father was a good thing for all of us. Tell somebody next to you, it's a good thing. That was a good thing. Tell them. Come on, testify this morning. Testify, everybody, you know? testify. It was a good thing because as Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit descended and is with us presently all the time, everywhere, helping us, teaching us, walking with us, guiding us, convicting us, leading us, filling us, empowering us, baptizing us into power, all right? Helping us to live like Christ after the word of God. So last week, I talked about his ascension in a lot more detail, and I answered the question of why did Jesus ascend, all right? And it's really kind of cool. The Creek Notes from last week are already filled in your Creek Notes there. You see that, and if you missed the message, last week, I encourage you, check out part one, you know, in, in, online, all right? I mean, no one goes to the Star Wars series, and you, no one starts with, with episode seven, all right? I mean, you, you've got it. Now, with the prequels, you need to go all the way back, all right? So... Don't take my word for it. You know, go back and check that out if you missed last week, all right? But this week, how many want to be encouraged today? How many want hope today? I'm going to be a hope dealer, all right? come. What I'm talking about is hope. It's hope, and it encourages me, all right? This week, I want to finish what we started, you know, last week, and, and continue with verses 10 through 11, all right? So picture, as the disciples, and I, 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 I may mention of this, as they were like watching Jesus ascend to the sky, in, ascend into the sky, watching him. Hi, babe. You guys made it. Kyler and Megan, they made it. You guys are right. They said you guys get it. Yeah, everybody. We may have more women joining us today. That's all right. Okay. Uh, where was I? ADHD. There we are. Just being transparent. Ah, that's it. So as the disciples... I knew it was there somewhere. As the disciples watched Jesus ascend, and I talked about a, a balloon that, I, that, that escaped out of my truck last week, but, but I was also thinking, when I grew up, and my dad's a pastor, my dad, or my mom, somebody, had this great idea for a you know, church togetherness thing. They, they called it uh, a Balloon Liftoff Sunday. Anybody ever been in a church where you have a balloon liftoff Sunday? It's where everybody in the church, even the kids, we all filled out an index card with you know, an invitation to come visit our church. It was like an evangelistic thing, okay? Outreach. Uh, and and they, it was asked, if you find this card, please, it was post-stamped and everything, mail it back to it and have the church address and please indicate where you found this card, okay? Everybody had a card and you filled out your name and then you tied it to a helium balloon. We had all these helium tanks. And everybody at the end of the service went outside in the parking lot. We're talking like a lot of balloons, all right? And we count, my dad counted out, one, two, three, you know, whatever, and we, we let the balloons go. And then, you know, whoever found the card, if he signed it, who, whoever's card came from the farthest distance won like a big prize. I think it was like a big family Bible, all right? But I just remember even as a kid, I mean, we're talking massive amount of balloons just lifting up and going and going and going and going and going. And I'm, and I'm like, I wonder if that one's mine. And then then we waited for weeks, and yeah, people sent back the cards. You know, it's pretty cool. But I wonder if that's, I often, when you see these kinds of things, was that what the apostles did? Or just like watching till Jesus got like little bitty, and and then John's like, no, it's a bird. And he's like, no, that's still Jesus. No, that's Jesus over here, you know. and, And then all of a sudden, two guys, bam, just like that, standing in front of them, wearing white robes, okay, dressed in all white. These angels appeared right in front of them and said that, hey guys, why are you like gazing, mouths open, staring up into the sky, all right? Jesus is going to return the same way that you just saw him ascend. They're like, Jesus will return in bodily form. Gang, Jesus is going to return in physical form. Not a spirit, not a ghost, or anything like that. But because he ascended in bodily, physically form. And, and you remember, Thomas touched his hands, felt his side. Jesus ate with them. He's like, give me some, some fish, guys. You know, At one point, they were out kind of fishing. Jesus is making a little bonfire. That's why I love Jesus. He made a little bonfire on the beach. I love that. And he cooked some fish and gave it to them and ate with them. You know what I'm saying? He ascended in bodily form. Listen, he's going to return in physical bodily form as well. But just like with the ascension, we ask, why did he ascend? I wanna, why, did he, why is he going to return? Why is Jesus going to return? This is one of my favorite topics to talk about, okay? And I could spend so much time on this point. But for this morning, I just want to highlight three aspects of his returning, okay? Have you ever thought of that to yourself? Why? why? Why is he going to return? Why not just let everybody die physically and then that's the judgment and, and that's it? Referencing Hebrews chapter nine, verse 27 in the New Testament, the writer says, and as, just as each person is destined to die once and after that comes the judgment. Why, not, why isn't that enough, Jesus? Why not just let, let everyone die and then ju- Why are you going to make a physical return? Here's why Jesus is returning. Number one, He's returning because he said that he would. <laughs> Number one, he said that he would return. Now I don't know a lot, okay? I'm I'm like Forrest Gump. I might not be a smart man, okay? I do like chocolates. <laughs> but this truth stands on its own and it's on its own merit. He said he would return. It's a promise that he gave when he walked on this earth. He said that he would be coming back in Matthew chapter 24, verse 27 and verse 42, as well as in the gospel of Luke chapter 17, verse 24 and 30. He promises it in, in John, the gospel of John chapter 14, verses one through three, where it's very personal. You can read it along the screen with us. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. My goodness, don't we have, uh, so many people have troubled hearts today in the shape of our world and what's going on all around us, we can let our hearts be troubled. And Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. Praise the Lord, man. That's so awesome. So first off, he's returning simply. Oh, that was a little Peter Brady highlight there. <laughs> you know, an old Brady bunch. He's returning simply because he said he would. It's a promise from Jesus that we can hold on to. And we can look forward to. You know, much like a, a child. You know, if a parent has to go away on a trip or something, you know, um, we have many military families in here. Thank God for all of you. Appreciate you very, very much. Uh, Megan grew up in Alamogordo, New Mexico. It's the uh, home of Holman Air Force Base. And, and we knew many friends, had many friends, who one of the spouses would be deployed for months, months at a time, you know? And, 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 and if a parent goes away and they let their kid know, hey, Dad, Dad, daddy's gonna be back. Daddy's gonna come home. Mom, Mom's gonna come home. Just a little while, Okay. I'll be there. Man, you better believe, what, is, what does that kid do? What does that child do? And looks and waits. Is today, is today daddy's coming home? Is, is, today, is mom coming home today? Today, today, even just, my goodness. Megan's been gone for the, the, the weekend uh, trip. She's a speaker at the women's event. And uh, even this morning, Tegan just like, I want mom. <laughs> she wants her mommy, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, that, they eagerly wait, don't they? Because that parent said, I'm going to come. I'm going to come. You know, so uh, we all love it when someone keeps their promise. We, We appreciate that in people. And Jesus does that perfectly. Jesus Christ is true and faithful to his word. He said he was going to die, and he died for all of mankind on the cross as an atoning sacrifice for all of our sins. He said he'd be put in the grave, and in three days he would raise again from the dead. And guess what? He did, amen? And because of that, as the word says, the spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it lives in us, we will be raised to life as well. Jesus, when he he said, I'm going to come back and take you to be with me, we know he's a man that keeps his word. Praise the Lord. Jesus was the first person to ever coin the phrase, I'll be back, all right? You knew that was coming. How many knew that was coming? I think every pastor in America has used that phrase from that movie talking about Jesus, all right? Anyway, he said he's coming. We believe it. We hold on to it. We look for it. The second reason why he's returning, and this one's very key and very important, his return, it's the beginning of the end of the world as we know it today. It's a lot to say, isn't it? Yeah. It's the beginning of the end of the world as we know it today. His return sets God's final plan for the end times in motion. It begins the prophetic end times timetable. It begins the final plan of God reaching out to mankind, you know, these last times. God's final judgment upon rebellious mankind and, and it's the end of our enemy, and, and God puts all of that in order based on Jesus' return. Last Wednesday night, it was funny. Um, it, it's awesome that I am speaking on the ascension and return, but I, I was here in the building during our Oso students' meeting, and they had broken up into their small group ministry, and Pastor Jonathan had the, the fellas back there around a the table, and I'm walking by, I can't remember what I'm doing, but he goes, Pastor Greg, can you summarize the book of Revelation for these guys? I was like, "What? <laughs> really? Come on, summarize the book of Revelation. All right? Um, and I was like, "Whoa! I was like, let me start a little." But what I said then was basically the same thing. I tried, man. I started going off on a tangent. I brought it back home real quick, but I basically said, it's the beginning of the end according to God's prophetic timetable. I know many we've all heard of the terms, the apocalypse, the end times. In times events, in-time prophecy, and those kinds of things. And some people are really into it, okay? Jesus' Jesus's return sets those things in motion. His return is the beginning of the fulfillment of God's final plans. I mean, it's, it's prophesied in the Old Testament a lot. Jesus talks about it, especially in Matthew 24 and 25, and the entire book of Revelation is all about what I'm talking about. I once did a 22 to 24-week series on the on all of this based on the book of Revelation. It was wild, man. It was a long time, but it was interesting. How will, we, how will we know he's returning and setting all this in, into play, you know? But Jesus gives plenty of signs and things to look for in, in the word of God, seasons and elements that, that are gonna be happening that will signal for us, hey, it's time to look up. It's time to look up. And without going into a lot of detail, the, the, the Bible talks about two specific ways that Christ is going to return. There, there is the, the, what's commonly referred to as the rapture where he catches the, the saints or the believers away, you know, and that's where they, they will meet him in the air. The Apostle Paul talks about this in, in 1 Corinthians and also 1 Thessalonians, all right? And it's also prophesied that Jesus also will have a second coming where he is physically going to touch foot on the ground. The Mount of Olives over in the Middle East are going to split in two. And man, it's going to be awesome. Zechariah prophesies about that. Okay. And I know there's a lot of believers that get into debate, especially about the, the tribulation and the second coming of Jesus, and they'll believe in like, you know, there's the pre-tribulation coming of Jesus where it start you know, before the, the Antichrist and all that is revealed, and some believe there's scripture uh, precedence for the uh, middle of the tribulation where he's going to come and do that, and some think it's at the post. I personally believe there's way more scriptural evidence for the pre-tribulation aspect of that, okay? But the thing to focus on is this, because we can get and in all kinds of debates, the thing to focus on is that he is just returning, right? <laughs> That's the important thing, is that he is returning. And my third and last point about why he's returning is, is so good. I hashtag love it, all right? <laughs> he's returning to take us home. He's returning to take us out of this old world there's scriptural precedents that the lord rescues those whom he loves before judgment happens we see this all throughout the old testament it's referenced in the new testament so many illustrations and allusions to the, not you know A-L-L-U-S-S-I-O-N, allusions to this in the old testament you know, uh, the Israelites crossing the Red Sea before final judgment comes down. Even the plagues, you know, and, and, and the conquest. So many things I could go into, all right? And we're, we're, to, we're to be encouraged by this truth that Scripture shows that right before judgment comes, the Lord rescues those whom he loves. That's hope for us, guys. I know I need hope. And I know you do, too. Listen to the Apostle Paul's writing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. He writes, "Now dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died, so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died." We tell you this directly from the Lord. This came from the Lord himself, Paul's saying. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves, arise rise with, with new perfect uh, immortal bodies all right then verse 17 he writes then together with them we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the lord in the air then we'll be with the lord forever he's talking about the rapture there but verse 18 he says so encourage each other with these words That's an encouragement. Encourage, 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 encourage with these words. We should be encouraging each other with these words. We should regularly be talking to each other and saying, hey, Jesus is returning. He's going to take us out of here. (laughs) When is the last time that you've encouraged somebody with those words? When's the last time you personally have been encouraged by those words, right? The Apostle Paul, he's like, hey, man, don't shirk back. Don't be afraid. Don't be timid. No, encourage each other with these words about the Lord's return. But I know that when we start talking about end time events and the apocalypse and thunder and the judgment and the wrath of God and Jesus' return, man, it could be scary. (laughs) It could be scary. I know growing up, man, when I was a kid, the return of Christ used to scare me. Thinking about it frightened me. Uh, I I talked about this, I think it was the Revelation series, uh, the Seven Letters Revelation series uh, last year, but it was a story of me growing up, man. I had a dream that my dad was pastoring, and if you remember that just... Play along nice, if you remember you telling me this. This is for the benefit of those that didn't hear, okay? Uh, but it, it was, it hit me hard. That's why I still remember it. But I was sitting in the, the pew with my mom, and my, they were singing, and my dad was up there, and everybody, everybody else just started, you know, raising up, you know, just, oh, you know? And I started looking around, and old no, Greg ain't going nowhere. He's still sitting here in the seat. What's wrong with Greg? But I got real scared. I started reaching for my mom's ankle, you know, and started dropping, I'm like, no, no. Man, I woke up just like that. You better believe I hit my knee right away and said, Lord, I'm so sorry for everything. You know what I mean? I started repenting for things I'd never even done before because I was just so scared. I wanted to make sure I was going to go when Christ came. Woo, it was scary. Anybody else ever, you're a little scared? you know, when, when, yeah, I know Megan's talked to me about it. She couldn't even, couldn't even talk about eternity because it would scare her so much. But you might even be an adult and that's Okay. The thought of this, you're like, dude, that's just kind of scary, okay? And a lot of times when, when it is a scary thing, it's because we don't fully understand the return of Christ. But when we literally look at it at Scripture and fully understand it, it's not a scary thing at all. His return is a thing of blessed hope for the believers, praise God. His return is a thing of blessed hope for the believers, for the believer who is actively following Christ living for Jesus instead of themselves. They've taken up their cross, denied themselves. They're following Jesus, as Matthew says to do in Matthew 16, 24. The the return of Christ is something to look forward to every single day. It's an encouragement for us, and it should give us hope. It should give us hope. Why? To keep us looking, to be like that little kid waiting for mom or dad to return home every day with that expectation. To not get bored, to not get preoccupied, to not lose hope, but no, to look at it with hope and anticipation, to know that this world is not all that there is, that for the believers, there's so much more for us. For those following Christ, the Bible says that it's not even entered into a man's mind what God has planned for those who love him. It's hope that that this world of wickedness and filled with sin and sickness and death, this is not our final destination. It gives us hope because this corrupt world, gang, hallelujah, is not our final home. Praise God. Could you imagine if this was it? Our sports team is always letting us down. No, just kidding. <laughs> Dallas, uh, Cowboys. Uh, sorry. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. I've been a Cub fan all my life. Anyway, Colts. No, but can you imagine if this was all, it were, all that there was to look forward to? We look around and we read and, or listen to the news, and there's just so much sin and disease and sickness and evil and junk around us all the time. We hear of people hating each other, acting out in that hate. Crazy stuff going on today. We hear of you know countries fighting each other, violence, aggression, sinful living, alternate unbiblical lifestyles, people calling the evil good and good evil, Isaiah 5.20. Let's face it, gang, it's been said over and over, we're no longer a Christian nation. What this means is that only only a few decades ago, Judeo-Christianity was the fundamental bedrock and and element of our society. Prayer was okay. Jesus' name was okay. Church was good. The Ten Commandments were honored and displayed. People went to church, honored church. They honored the Word of God. They honored the Bible. They honored and looked forward to Jesus, right? And it's not like that anymore, is it? Right? We now live in a post-Christian society, People want to ridicule the church. They want to be a part of it. They don't want people praying in public. They don't want to use, they don't want people using Jesus' name in public. The Ten Commandments has sadly been removed all over the place. Church is a foreign thing to so many people today, and that's what Jesus established. And now, instead, replacing all that, there's political correctness, sexual equality, marriage equality. Now, pseudo gender equality is solely being pushed to the normative of the day. And God's word is being compromised from those within the church for political expediency and for non biblical inclusiveness. Again, the reality is it's all around us, and it's all here because of the sin in the world. It's all here because of our sin. Our sin. And let's face it, life can be hard, right? Life can be difficult, stressful. Complicated. We have a lot of questions in this life. There are great days and seasons, of course, but there are also, you know, the equality of of bad days and bad seasons that fill up our lives. And seemingly bad things happen to good people. Although the Word of God in Jesus shows that not anyone on this earth is truly good. Isaiah writes about it and Paul writes about it in Romans 3. We've all sinned. We've all gone our own wicked way. We've all fallen short. No one is really good, okay? But, but we do ask, you know, why, do, why do seemingly these bad things happen to people who are you know, seemingly good? Because of sin in the world. Because of sin. Because this place is broken. God created it perfect. And it was awesome. And mankind rebelled and sinned against God. And you may say, well, that was Adam and Eve. No, it's you too. You sinned, I sinned. If you're watching online, don't turn it off. (laughs) You sinned. (laughs) That's why Jesus had to come, right? To rectify our sin problem. But living on this rock in this world can be rough and difficult. But because of all of that, It should get us to look up and to expect Christ's return. As the scripture says, look up and see your redemption drawing near. One day, God's going to make it all right. One day, God's going to perfect everything again. It's at this time, though, in the middle, we're waiting and we're looking for God to do what he wants to do and for Jesus to come down and take us home. I heard thunder. Maybe he's coming right now. Woo! That'd be awesome. No, no. Either either I'm not, either I'm not good, or that was not the return of Christ. But guess what? None of you are. You're all still here too. So it's all, no. Praise God. Listen, we shouldn't. I about pulled my Achilles right there. We shouldn't get used to life down here. Please listen to me. Settled complacent, comfortable. When's the last time you were longing for your eternal home? When's the last time when you're saying, man, Lord, I'm ready to go home. And even when we face death, a reality for all of us, whether it's ourselves or someone that's close to us, gang, this should remind us of our eternity and for those living for Jesus, there's a place prepared for us by Jesus himself that we read about in John 14. If you're following Christ, Christ is making a, pra- a place for you right now. Think about that. Right now. You may have, man, praise God for you that have that $3 million home in here. And if you do, you can take me out to lunch this afternoon, all right? Um, it will pale in comparison to what Christ is preparing for you. You know, often Megan and I, we love, you know, we've done this for a long time. We'll go to, you know, like one of those, those, ooh, bourgeoisie neighborhoods, you know what I'm talking about? You know what I mean? And, and you always go, what do these people do all the time? You know, you wonder and all that kind of stuff, you know? And, um, and I'll remind myself, don't covet this. Don't be jealous for that, what Christ has waiting for you far surpasses anything like that, right? And listen, the struggles and hardships and tough times and the pain in life, it's there as a constant reminder to us and should constantly remind us this is not our final home. And I believe that's why the Lord allows some hardships in our lives so that we won't get settled. We won't get used to this life so that we will long for where our true home is. I remember Megan teaching through the book of Jeremiah one time in the Old Testament. And that was her key point. It was so bad. It was so horrible and what happened to them. And, and then she paralleled that out to us and how our lives can be so tough. It's a reminder that this is not our final home. Paul writes in Philippians chapter three, verse 20, that our citizenship is in heaven, it's in heaven. And as believers living for Jesus, we're just pilgrims and nomads wandering through, journeying to our final destination. And while we're here, you know, God created us, God knows us, and he places us on this earth for right here and now to follow his word, to live for him, to be a light shining in the darkness. That's what we're called to do. And I I talked about that not too long ago. Remember we had everybody, you know, turn on your flashlight, we have the dark. That's what our call is to do. Philippians chapter 2, verses 15 through 16. This is not in your Creek notes, but you can hear it. The Apostle Paul writes, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, it's going to be awesome. That's what Paul's writing about. And he says, then when Christ returns, my work with all of you guys, getting you to try to live like Christ is not going to be in vain, okay? So even expecting the return of Christ, it's not what's commonly called escapism, you know? Like we just want to just, you know, get No, no, we we are commissioned and called, okay, to live for him while we journey in this life. We don't live for ourselves or our passions. We live for Jesus and after his word. All the while we're looking forward to and waiting that eternal home that Jesus is preparing for us. Okay, and that's encouraging. That's encouraging. This whole world's not the end. Sickness is not the end. Hardship is not the end. Discouragement and depression is not the end. Anxiety and fear is not the end. Financial problems are not the end. Struggles with temptation and sin is not the end. Temptations themselves are not the end. Death is not the end, praise the Lord. It might look bad. It's gonna get a lot worse. But there's good news and hope for us in Christ. He is returning. He's returning. Jacob, you'll come forward right now. Amen. But yeah, what do we typically do? And I'm almost done. If you just bear with me just for a brief moment more. We typically get so planted and comfortable in this world, right? We, we get so tied up to life and so much so that we, it's, it's even hard to comprehend, you know, letting it go. And often we fixate on what's down here and temporary. And we live a life of ease, all right? And Jesus talks about people living like this in a few of his parables and how his return will just, bam, it's going to catch them off guard, not looking. Let's not lose sight where we're headed and what's in store for us that are his. Let's be like the, the disciples in the early church and fix our gaze on what's coming, on who is coming. He said he would and he'll take us home. Earlier I read Hebrews nine sixteen about it's, it's appointed for everyone to die and then the judgment, but there's so much hope in the very next verse of Hebrews nine, verse twenty eight. Verse twenty seven says, It just as it's appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment. Whoa. That's pretty intense. Listen to verse 28. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Praise the Lord. Man, that's awesome. He's going to save us. He's going to save us, praise the Lord. And our hope, is not a wishful hope, like, you know, I hope I get this for my birthday, you know. Hint, 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 no, no, this is hope that's grounded in truth, grounded in his word, and it's a hope that can be held onto even in the most difficult of times in our lives. It's a hope that we can hold on to even when life gets horribly difficult. You know, often for now the last year and a half since we've been here, I've used the open hand and closed fist. You know, we've got to approach God with open hands and not closed, you know, trying to control things, but here's one way we, we, we have a tight grip on, and that's the hope of Christ's words, and we don't let go. Jesus is the only one who has walked this earth, said what he said, backed up what he said he would do with his death and resurrection, and then he said he's gonna return. Mohammed, the original Buddha, A.C. Mahvedantis, the founder of Hare Krishna, uh, the founders of Hinduism, other worldly religion leaders never made such a claim like Jesus, never backed up their claims like Jesus did. Only Christ promised what he promised, and we look forward to that with great anticipation. So, my last point is this it's brief and quick. You've hung with me this long, thank you. Don't turn off your computer. Who's he returning for? Whoa, all right. Who's he returning for? <laughs> this is such an important question. And the answer lies in the scripture that we read in, in Hebrews nine twenty eight. Those who are eagerly waiting for him. Is that you this morning? Maybe you've been lulled asleep by the comforts of this life. Are you busy, distracted, focused too much? Don't have really a lot of time to be waiting and looking for him with your seventeen children at toe, you know? Are you just indifferent to it? I've heard it all before, yawn. <laughs> old news, Greg, and you shrug it off dismissively. The Bible is so clear. Jesus is returning for those that are watching, waiting for him, those that are longing for him. Jesus asked a question in Luke 18 and 8. It says, when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? Sadly, there's going to be those like the foolish bridesmaids in Matthew 25 waiting for the bridegroom. And I've used this illustration, this parable of Jesus before. They're supposed to be watching for the bridegroom to come and receive his bride. They would have their lamps and their oil ready to light the way and announce that he is here. But the foolish one saw that the bridegroom had delayed his coming. It wouldn't happen or it's going to happen later on another day. So they got bored, preoccupied with other things, got busy doing whatever they were doing, looking at reels, looking at TikTok. Who knows? They fell asleep. They weren't watching, they weren't ready and when the bridegroom came the door was shut, they were shut out, they were left out. Jesus said in Matthew 25, 13 watch therefore, give strict attention be cautious and active for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man will come. Are you watching? Are you a believer who's waiting for Jesus? Jesus? So I ask you this morning, are you a believer? Not just a believer where you know about Christ in your head, but you you know him in your heart. You know him as your personal Lord. You know him as your Savior. You've said yes to him. You've recognized that he's the only way to eternal life, and you want in through him. You see, he's calling out to all of us this morning. He's here now. He wants to live in our lives. He wants us to surrender our hearts to him. Even if you've been serving him for 40 years, he wants re-surrender it doesn't matter what you've done, how you've lived your life, it doesn't matter who you are, Jesus loves you. He loves me and he invites us to come to him and allow him to infiltrate our lives and change us through the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. We can receive his grace, his mercy, and his love as we call upon our Savior, surrender to him, and make him our Lord. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you've never surrendered to Christ. You've never changed your direction. That's what repentance means. So I'm not gonna live like, I I don't wanna live for myself or the world and that junk anymore. I I wanna live for you and after your word, Lord, and I wanna be changed to live like you. Paul says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. The Apostle John writes in 1 John if we confess we're sinners, he's just and will forgive us and cleanse us from all of our sins. Jesus said in John 5 24, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. That you believe this morning. Believe, say yes to Christ. Say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my Savior. I want to live for you. Forgive me of my sins. I want a new life in you. And for those of you that are going or are watching online, you're going through a difficult season, whatever that may be physical, emotional, financial, spiritual, relational. Listen, take hope in Christ today. Let his peace guard your heart and mind, Philippians 4, 7. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and let Christ's presence be real to you through the difficult time that you're going through. Psalm 34, verse 18 says he's close to the brokenhearted. And I ask, are you ready? Get ready. Because he promised he's coming. He promised he's coming. My last scripture is Titus 2, 11 through 13. Check this out. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom and righteousness and devotion to God, godly living, while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed when He appears. His coming. Praise God. He's coming. He's coming. Amen. Lord, I just pray that you would prepare our hearts, that you would touch us, speak to us this morning. Holy Spirit, move in the heart of men and women and children and students that are here right now. Lord, Touch us where we are. Bless us for that one, Lord, who's never turned to you. Or maybe they've been lulled to sleep. Maybe they've walked away from you for a short bit. God, bring them back home. Let them call upon you as their Savior and Lord. Let this be the day where their real life starts. And they say yes to you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, don't let them leave without acknowledging you, Jesus, as their Lord and Savior. And saying, hey, I I believe what Christ did for me. I believe in him. I want to live for him. And for those, God, this morning, their present reality finds difficult times, heartbreak and pain. And life's not easy. Holy Spirit, let hope arise in their heart. So whatever they're facing is not the end. It's not the end of the story. No, no, no. For the believer, there's hope. And we can trust in you, Jesus. You're with us through your Holy Spirit. Let them feel your presence and your strength right now, Lord. Right now, I pray. And let us all, Lord, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you'd birth anew in all of us an expectation, an eagerness, even a longing for your return, like that little child waiting for mom or dad. We ask this in your mercy and grace, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's get waiting. Let's get watching. I'll be over here if you need prayer. But as we sing this last song, man, let's let it be out of a commitment and devotion and heart of the Lord this morning. Let's look for his return. Amen.